dogs in the yard Might need a guard Every loss taken to heart Me first, that cannot be Must be these underdog episodes, see? Feeling much better, so suddenly Under the Monica, Monica G Crafted at night while all of them sleep I won't look a fool Taking this tool, defeating the opposition around me No, no, I'm not sorry Yes, I'm taking this knowledge and party Just barking, no harm, don't be startled Yes, I'm taking the title And it's so vital Thanks for the ride, I'll never be idle Turn up the dial, it's about to get wild And the points go Dallas the underdog bite down up at the day and the night now easy as flying a kite now come take a look at it right now Dallas the underdog bite down up at the day and the night now easy as flying a kite now come take a look at it right now hey everyone welcome to episode 98 Dennis the underdog and your host your ride Dawkins Trivia tonight Billy Beeman Josh Goldberg what up what up what's up what's good man damn two away from a hundred here it's getting close. I know. Uh, you know, and Billy had asked, like, hey, you know, he had a really good idea and maybe we should get on it. And he's like, you know, for this 100th episode, maybe we'll do like, you know, some of the best, what do you say, top tier advice or. Yeah, I have tier, something for top it. Top tier what, takeaways. That's yes, what it was. Yeah. top tier takeaways. I actually wrote down a bunch. So I have, I'm actually, I have a pretty good amount for, for us for sure. But yeah, I would love you guys to come with some as well from some of the past episodes. I think I have some from like Katie. Peter, Zach, Shane, Swagger. There's takeaways from a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Whether they like me or not. Whether they like me or not. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go back and listen to, I think, some of the the most, like, I don't know, like, to me, some of the most uh, informational ones were, like, when we had, uh, oh, uh, Will Dennison on. Oh, yeah. Seems like every time he's on, he brings the heat. So there's got to be, I'll go back and listen to those episodes and see if we get some nuggets. But I think episode 100 will do that. Top tier takeaways from some of our guests. Absolutely. Yeah. Great stuff. I mean, I think it's a great idea, but I mean, I think we should give the fans what they want for number 100. Yeah. I think think we have to do the video live stream. Oh, there you go. Yeah. We do need to get that going. That'd be great if we, if we can. I mean, even if, even if we do it just through YouTube, I think we, we, we got to give everybody what they want for a little while. We keep hearing about it. If we can set it up, we're going to need to, yeah. Yeah. We need to get on that for sure. No doubt about it. Tonight would have been perfect. I have a fresh cut. Looking mm-hmm. pretty good. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you do. Yeah, I'm gonna have to take your word for it because nobody can see you. But yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> we'll we'll change the podcast our this week just to your eyes, head. Yeah, it just <laughs> put we're gonna slap his face on the dynasty underdog thing. Nobody wants that. No. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. So quick announcement though. Something really quick and easy. Discord. Dynasty Underdog Discord, which was originally part of our Patreon, which of course, if you're a Patreon, you still get in there. But we wanted to make it free, to be honest with you. We want to make it, give everybody access to it, like whoever wants to join the Dynasty Underdog Discord chat. It's it's really great, like with everybody that's in there already, just really good conversations, just Dynasty talk, uh, sports talk, whatever it is. But um, we drop in tons of different, like, you know, any data that we talk about on here, we try to drop in there and and all that good stuff. So even if you're not a Patreon, you get some good stuff in there, but just trying to get more people involved and, and bring some people together. So uh, it's, it's on our Twitter account for sure. If, you, if anybody wants to just reach out to us, if you can't find the link. Yeah. Awesome. Next big announcement is, I don't know if you guys have heard about this or not, but there's a big tournament for charity called Scott Fishbowl. And what, uh, what is this? <laughs> yes. What is this? <laughs> Everyone knows about it. It seems like, you know, honestly, this is like kind of a detour, but like, I see these posts from guys like I've been trying for three years and they get like so discouraged. And like, I feel, I feel bad for them, you know, uh, everybody wants in and, and like so many people actually do get in. I know it's impossible for 
Scott to, you know, every single application to allow them in, like, you know, he's up to like 30,000, 50,000 applicants. It's like, it's, it's huge. And they do such a good job. So I, like when the, you see one of these guys like, man, I've been trying, like, I feel bad. Just throwing it out there. Like you're going to get in, keep applying. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Agreed a hundred percent. But I also feel that if two thirds of a podcast gets in that the other third should just automatically be <laughs> handed in an invite to come in. No, obviously, obviously kidding around. I had a great time the last two years and there's still plenty of time for me to get my invite. So fingers crossed, they will come. Absolutely. Burying the lead though, for sure. What, what, what we wanted to mention was that they, they do a potathon. I think it's on June 10th or June 9th and 10th, I believe the potathon is. I think. Yep. Yeah, so Saturday Jul- and Sunday. July 9th and 10th. Yeah, July, thank you. Yeah, unless you want to go back in time and <laughs> listen to it on June 9th and 10th. Yeah, July 9th and 10th. We have sponsored the podcast. I mean, the Potathon, three years in a row. We're doing it again this year, and we guessed it. I think the first year we did it, we did not last year, but this year we they have blessed us with a guest spot Sunday at twelve thirty p.m. So everybody should be vibing, not doing much, and, and able to join in and listen. If not, I'm pretty sure they drop it on YouTube and all that good stuff too, so you can catch us there. But yeah, the Potathon's great, man. A lot of amazing, amazing guests. I'm, I'm sure Matthew Barry and, and everybody else you could imagine are going to be on there. Luckily, we get to join too, so it'll be really fun. And for those who live on the best coast, that's 9.30 a.m. <laughs> Just so hey, you know. Hey, all the listeners are fortunate that, that we aren't going at one, 1 in the morning like originally <laughs> planned. Yes. Yeah. Like, hey, 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 Billy, though, that first year, I mean, you had like, what, 3.30 a.m., I think it was? Yeah, it was, it, we were deep, deep in the, uh, the AM hours, but, but big shout out to Dave Wright and, uh, Mike, I can't remember his last name right now, but at daddy, daddy's home FF, I think I forgot what his, his ad is too, but big shout out to the guys running it and, and helping get us into a good spot that, that kind of fit all of our schedules and everything like that. And just, they, they know how much, like how passionate we are about this, how much we care. And, and they, I, you know, show that by kind of helping us out here with, with a, really good guest spot so i'm excited for that it'll be really fun and a personal announcement that exact same day i will be drafting scott fishbowl live with people here in seattle seattle area and that's crazy dude that's crazy mazel tov. that's awesome man <laughs> yeah my understanding is that on that day at 2 30 pacific time we'll be live on the pod there too so check me out twice that's going to be badass for sure, for sure. No, I happened to log into my Scott Fishbowl account the other day just to see if there was any new settings or anything. And I saw the live draft. So I figured there'd be one in Miami. So I was going to pick live draft for Miami, but closest one to Billy and myself is Orlando. No, I th- I swear there's like a Fort Lauderdale one now or something. Is like, there? Yeah, there's there's uh, a bunch more down in, in our area for sure, well, which I'm like- Strike what I just said. I just got way too much going on. So like I'm- yeah. I, I probably could. I'm just not going to do it. Uh, so I'll, I'll end up wherever, wherever I end up. I think I'm like slotted at 102 and I forgot what it was that like the Orlando draft. He'll probably move me at some point. We'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, no, it, it'll be fun. It's just a good charitable, you know, whole, whole deal. So it's fun to be involved anyway. We can be involved if that's, you know, podcast or, or actually being in it. So it's cool stuff. Yeah. Cool. So let's talk about some, we actually got some like real actual NFL news for a while. Like it seems like it's been pretty stale for a little while. So Terry McLaurin, I think I, I can't think of a single person, analyst, fantasy player, NFL fan that doesn't like root for Terry McLaurin. <laughs> like, I think we all just like really like the guy. He finally got the bag. He got three years, I think 70 mil or something like that. 
72. 72. So wheels up on McLaurin. It's kind of, I think from a dynasty or fantasy, like it's good. You always want to see like your top tier players get like a, some security, but that security still in Washington. So that kind of <laughs> sucks. But, uh, you know, he's, he's produced uh, pretty well with a bunch of scrubs in a poverty organization. But, you know, he, he got his bag, so he definitely earned it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, he, he obviously earned it playing with the, the quarterbacks he's been with. But, yeah, like you said, from a dynasty perspective, this doesn't really change much. I, like you said, we're all rooting for him, and I don't think we're rooting for him to, to stay in Washington. But <laughs> one way or another, I, I was looking at where I got him in that C2C draft I was doing, which is just the dynasty side. Yeah. So things are pretty – you know, pretty much the same as, as a dynasty startup. And he went, I took him at 610. So at the end of the sit at the end of the sixth round. And I think like I was I was looking at the guys after him, Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore may be the only one that really sticks out to me. Brandon Cooks, Devonta Smith, Darnell Mooney, Jerry Judy, right? Like Juju Smith Schuster. Like I'm I'm really not terribly upset with, with that spot. And I don't think this changes much. I think that's just kind of nothing's changed for Terry McLaurin since he got in the league, except for the fact that he's good. And we didn't know that right before he got into the league. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or we didn't know how good he was that he was this kind of player. Nothing's changed, right? Like he's that he's one of the more stable dynasty assets, I think, around. Definitely. All right. Uh, next one news coming out. This is actually coming out, I think, you know, maybe an article or something, a blurb about this, like every week since, you know, training camp and, and OTAs and all that stuff. But uh, Kenny Pickett, again, has been going with the third string uh, team. I know it's early in the process. But is this concerning at all to you? Not in my opinion, not at all. With them signing Trubisky to the contract they sign, you kind of have to inherit that he's going to be the start of this year. Let Pickett learn the playbook, sit the year. All listeners of our pod knows I'm a big fan of letting your quarterback sit for a year, learn the system, learn the players, get the connection built, and then go off with it. <clears throat> Excuse me. The way they structured um, Pickett's contract, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe it's pretty much front loaded. And they eat it out after this year with very little consequence. So it makes sense. You Why, mean Trubisky? You mean Trubisky, Trubisky, sorry. Yeah, sorry yeah, about yeah. that. Yeah, Trubisky. So in my opinion, it makes perfect sense. Yes, right now he's rolling with the threes. Training camp will probably roll with the twos, get a little action with the ones. But in all reality, unless there's a major injury, I think he's pretty much going to be holding the clipboard all season. I think that's a pretty reasonable take on it, honestly. <clears throat> what can you expect? You know, this quarterback class was – really mediocre at best and it's not just fantasy analysts who who knew that right or, or fantasy players so the the fact that he was the only one that went in the first round you know he's still who he is so Trubisky was former what top 10 overall pick not that he should have been necessarily but you can kind of see why things are going the way they're going so I I kind of agree with Josh like if you were on picket this shouldn't really bring you off of him the only thing this might do is give you an opportunity to go purchase him for maybe cheap if people are panic panic selling yeah i just got an offer for one of my picket shares i declined it by the way but it was uh <laughs> it was andy dalton and renfro for picket and, and hunter and, renfro yeah yeah, yeah. And, well you know whatever and uh, it's super flex though but you know it's funny the comment was like hey in case you wanted to handcuff uh james winston you know i'll send you over andy dalton see i feel like he got declined for saying that not yeah like you got to be careful with with what you do sometimes it's better to just send over the offer i don't hate that offer like sure depending yeah. on your quarterback situation right like if Pickett is like 
going to be your QB two, and that's your plan. Like, okay, maybe you ride with it, but honestly, like I was, I was going to talk about Renfro and the Patreon. Uh, I think that he is quite undervalued and I don't know that that's an interesting trade. It's not great, but, uh, but I don't hate it. So <laughs> no, it's, it's not that bad. It's just, uh, it was, why am I trying to handcuff Winston? Like, uh, I don't know. Winston's yeah. And, and no, and, and let's be honest, if Pickett, if, if Pickett hits, you can sell him for Renfro plus way more than that. So it's oh, yeah, like, it's, sure. it's not really uh yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's an interesting one though. Thought it should be mentioned. Yeah. No, uh, the guy who sent me the offer, he, he's awesome. So love it. Next one is cool. Cause I, I was listening to this. I was listening to, you know, local AM sports radio on my commute to work. And they were talking about, I guess there's two podcasts. I, one of them is what I am athlete. Whatever. Yeah, it's Brandon so, Marshall's podcast. Anyway, so this is, you know, this is interesting because we have all been, you know, all, but generally, like, we expected Jimmy G to be somewhere by now, uh, considering what they spent up to get Trey Lance. We thought Trey Lance would be the guy this year. And I still think that that's exactly what's going to happen. Trey Lance will be the starter and Jimmy G will be gone. But all this news is coming out now, which is coming, it's coming from the perspective of his ex-teammates, not just, like, random people, like, which is really i think holds a whole lot more water when you hear this you had martellus bennett he goes on a podcast and they talked about jimmy g so when uh tom brady had a miss i think he missed four games i think it was a deflate gate thing yep uh cheater and so you had super bowl champion but yeah. whatever yeah cheater. yeah <laughs> <laughs> when it ain't hard if you cheat and so <laughs> you ain't cheating you ain't cheating you ain't trying <laughs> oh my god <laughs> But during that time, during that time, they had Jacoby Brissett on Brissett on roster and Jimmy G. I think they're both drafted the same year. I think, uh, which is another thing is like I think teams should do that more often in the first place. But so Jimmy G had to start a couple games. Brissett had to start a couple games. I don't remember exactly which weeks were what, but they were talking Martellus Bennett, Super Bowl champion Martellus Bennett, ex Dallas Cowboy Martellus Bennett. By the way, <laughs> he he said he called um jimmy g soft he he called him the b word he called him a bitch he said he's a bitch he were planning on having him start all week and like just minutes before the game started he just said i i can't go out there and Brissett went out there and apparently jimmy g had a you know his non-throwing shoulder was hurting and so he wouldn't go out there and so then on another podcast wes welker another teammate of this guy went out there and was like hey man it was his non-throwing shoulder was hurt and they asked him, they asked him, Hey, well, you know, it doesn't matter. He's like, well, well, we're all athletes. Like we all get hurt. He's like, it's his non-throwing shoulder. And he said, Brissett went out there the very next week with ligaments missing in his thumb and played the game. And Jimmy G sat out because his non-throwing shoulder was, uh, you know, achy called him soft. So this is more like NFL, not like dynasty stuff, but it's, you know, it's whatever it's nonsense. His own teammates are saying, Hey, Jimmy G is soft. Like, there's not a whole lot worse that you, you get like said about you, right? That's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, that's as bad as it gets. Your I, thoughts? I, yeah, it was interesting. I watched the Welker, I mean the Edelman interview, and he read the quote directly, and he was like, he was like, I'm not gonna lie, I was a, I was upset, like I was upset oh, too. Edelman, my bad. Yeah. Edelman said that too. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Like, I don't know. I guess like, like you're kind of a hardo if you agree with that, that kind of thing, because, and, and honestly, Edelman said it at the end of what he was talking about he was like and maybe i'm maybe i'm the idiot because jimmy went on to make a lot more money than me right and partly because maybe he didn't go out there injured and play poorly and kill his draft stock or his uh trade stock because what happened was he didn't play 
And the last thing we saw of him was tearing it up against Miami. And then he got traded and he got one of the most lucrative deals for a quarterback. Right. So honestly, you can't like, you can't knock Jimmy. Like he made it to a Super Bowl, all that good stuff as a starting quarterback, like whatever. But yeah, like I would feel the same way. Like I would totally feel the same way because that's how I was when I played sports. Like you can understand that if you played sports at all, like just going out there, no matter what, doing everything you can regardless. And you know, for the quarterback, the leader, like the entire locker room clearly felt that way. Like, you know, Jason, I think Jason McCourty and Devin McCourty do a podcast together. And I think I forgot who it was came on there. And, and I think this is where the quote came from was that podcast uh, was Martellus Bennett saying, and they were kind of like laughing, but you could tell they kind of agreed. They just didn't say anything, but like everybody agreed with it. So yeah, like it, it is what it is, but then he goes over to San Francisco and I'll tell you what, they all like him a lot more than Trey Lance. So he built back, he built back up his credibility. It's, you know, I think it's more of a, of a Patriots thing, a situation in that locker room where they probably wouldn't have wanted to ride with him into the future. And another team who didn't really see that happen, I guess could. And no, I was just going to say, I feel everybody in the Patriots knew that Brady wasn't going anywhere anytime soon. So why put effort into Jimmy G when he's kind of just going to be Staying there holding the clipboard unless something happens to Brady. That's actually a good point, though, because they had the example of Brady for so long. Then Jimmy G yeah. is in there and he won't come in when he's injured, and Brady's in there no matter what. And they're probably, you know, so it's such a different dynamic where, like, they're like, dude, you're not even, get, just get out of here. We don't even need you. And, but another team that doesn't have that could use a guy like Jimmy. So it doesn't translate over and, and hurt him, I guess. But yeah, it's a re- it was really interesting stuff. I actually really liked that. Edelman. The whole Edelman thing was really cool. He, he had a lot to talk about with the, uh, just like his knowledge of the NFL, who he played against, who he thought was like, was really tough. Like it was really cool stuff. Him talking about Darrell Revis and how playing against him in practice made him a better player and just how Darrell Revis would defend people and how he would, beat Darrell Revis based on just like Darrell skill, uh, Revis's skill set. Super cool stuff, man. Highly recommend that that podcast. Awesome. Yeah, this all kind of came up because I'm up here in Seattle. So they talk about uh, who's going to replace Russell Wilson. Are they talking going to be Baker Mayfield? Is it going to be Jimmy? Because yeah. it, it's, it's, whether we like it or not, it's probably not going to be Drew Locke or Gino heading into no, the season. I don't think Pete Carroll is going to write like that. So it's but they're saying, you know, do you, you want to, you know, a leader, someone that, you know, you know, the locker room could get behind. And then they talked about this, how, you know, that the point about, I don't even know why we're talking about this long, but so the <laughs> point about them being compared to, I just thought it was interesting. So the thought about him being compared to uh, uh, Brady didn't even come with the compensation. They're like, well, yeah, they, that whole Brady thing, everybody knows he's not going anywhere. These ex teammates were actually comparing him to Jacoby Brissett. That's See what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 They would have yeah. preferred Jacoby over Garoppolo. So what does that tell you about what the type of leader he is? And of course, we all get older, we all change. And maybe he's he, he's matured more than he's been in San Francisco. But I just thought it was interesting and definitely some nonsense to talk about. So yeah, I'll tell you what hasn't changed. Anytime he's injured, he doesn't play. So yeah, yeah. And he's, he's and he's injured almost every year. Yeah. So you know. Yeah. All right, cool. That's the news and nonsense. Next thing. So setting the trade market, console wars, multiple copy. What do you got about this? All right. So I was th- I've been thinking about this like a bunch of different times, just sometimes in a lot of times in console wars because it's multi-copy. And I think that this translates like really well to, to multi-copy because there, because there is multiple copies of each player. It matters if one gets traded that impacts every other subsequent trade. Right. But also I was in the C2C startup 
And I found myself rushing to make the first trade and not like getting head over heels. Like I actually, it kind of organically happened, but like once it started happening, I could tell like the rest of the league was thinking about making trades and moving up. And I realized like, if I'm not the first one to move up, I may not want to pay whatever price somebody else pays. Right. So I think that there's a big advantage to like setting the trade market in leagues, depending on what leagues you're in, depending on the format, all different, you know, sometimes this might not apply, but I just think that when it does, it's really something to like strategize around because you may not think about it, but subconsciously you have to kind of adjust for this at some point. And even when it goes across players, like if, if a same tier quarterback gets traded in a league first, then that's going to impact the subsequent trades for players of that tier. Right. So in console war specifically, like uh, Saquon Barkley, for example, right. Or let me go back to Tom Brady. Tom Brady got traded like, a year or two ago for like a second round pick. And I remember I came into the chat and I was like, you guys just ruined the Tom Brady market for me. Like I can't trade Tom Brady. Like I'm not taking a second round pick for Tom Brady. So I guess I'm holding him because now I have like, that's the mark. Who's going to trade a first when they know right. that somebody's going to trade a second. Right. So I found that to be like really a disadvantage when you're on the opposite end of it. So I think just straight up something to think about is being first on these things because when I was first in the CTC draft to make this trade, people came in there immediately and were like, whoa, that's what it's going to take to you're saying the baseline or, or whatever. And, and yeah. it was like, and it immediately, it was like, I knew that I had made a good trade based on that. And also I knew that, you know, if I didn't, that something could have happened where I couldn't get that, that cheap deal if I didn't really jump in first. So, you know, don't, it's just some advice. Like I wouldn't be too aggressive on it. Like I need to be the first, no matter what happens and like do some stupid shit. Cause that can obviously happen if you're, if you're trying to get ahead of yourself there. But I just find myself taking this into account when I jump into a league, when I'm making trades, whatever it is, like, what have other people done? What can I get? Am I the first to this? Because if I am, I can definitely set the market. You know what I mean? So it's, it's just one thing where you can kind of control things and that's, Anything in fantasy you can control, that's what you're looking to do. Oh, for sure. And especially with console wars, I talked, I believe it was on uh, DU before that I talked about how if I, if I want a player, I will send the same trade to all three people that own him. More than likely, one will hopefully bite. And if not bite, they'll at least come back with a counter. It's been very rare that I've been shot, shut down all three times. And that's how I made the last couple of my trades. You just send the offer out there. You see who take who's interested and work on a deal that way. And then as far as you saying being first and kind of setting the baseline value for a player, um, I'm pretty sure it was in the league that Uri and I are in on Sleeper. Um, I wanted Jordan Love. Just didn't earlier in this offseason, didn't know what was going to happen with him. I shot the kid a trade of two fifth round picks and the kid hopped on it. If I would have waited a little longer, that value, especially when the Colts are interested in him, that value would have probably been up near a third, if not a second, just because the hype built around him. So it is def- definitely about getting the value and also your timing. Timing is everything. It's it's also, but you set that market for backup quarterbacks now, which is really cheap, actually, to like fifth round picks for Jordan Love, the backup to Aaron Rodgers. Like, it's just, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you also get ahead of everybody else who might go and spend, you know, like me, a third or something on Tyler Huntley. Right. right. Like, and, and you get ahead of that. And now, you know, you're, you're, so it's really just about, it's, it's really about that. Like, how can I get ahead of having to spend more because other people are doing it? And I swear there's like no better feeling of like pulling off a trade and then having like people come in the comments, like, Oh, I would have given up, you know, 
yes this plus plus just to get that guy and you're like yeah but i didn't have to so exactly this is pretty sweet but it it works with every (laughs) position every tier player like if you break it down that way you'll find the advantages in your league right if you don't ever explore it that way you're never going to find it but if you actually break it down to yourself and say okay what tiers of players have been traded right and you say okay maybe i can go after a guy who in the tier of his position went really cheap and you find another guy that's like that you know what i mean you're like oh man like clearly these guys aren't valued in in this league or to these couple managers or whatever it is so it's really i think there's a big advantage to being first to to seeing who's done stuff before because i don't think a lot of people are looking at that it's something that like i think just impacts it in everybody's subconscious but once you realize it you're like holy crap like there's there's ways to manipulate my league there's ways to to change the market there's ways to take advantage of the market so yeah i just i love that really quick with you saying that manipulating the league it's also depends in my opinion if you know the people or if you're playing with a bunch of randoms yeah if you're playing with like a hometown league that you know the people you know how you could manipulate them and get in their head and everything versus others who you don't know if they're leading you on or what the case might be so i love about console wars now i feel like a lot of us know each other pretty well so it's like now we've we've discovered tendencies some people won't trade with you some things you can take advantage of in rookie draft. So yeah, that, that's a, that's a big deal too. It's, it's kind of like cool. uh, Peter Howard saying last week, you know, about joining new leagues. <clears throat> it's not about like, Hey, I don't want to be in a league with you, but like yeah. who else is in there? <laughs> like, it's kind of, a, you know, like, you know, I, I, you want to be able to be in leagues and stuff with people that you interact with, which is not like a shot at like safe leagues, but I'm in two leagues that are on safe leagues hosted by MFL yeah. Scott fish. And, and they're great because you can just hop in a league, you know, your money's safe and all that stuff. The commissioner takes care of everything, but it's taken, it, I've been one for three years and one for two years. And the one that I've been in for three years has taken about three years for me to even know, you know, a little over half the league. There's still guys that right. don't even talk to. Right. I mean, that's what I, that's what I love about like the Dynasty Underdog Leagues and stuff, man. It's just cool how everybody connected so quickly in those. And we, we've we been able to build them like that because that's everything, man. It really is with, with leagues. Like when Peter said that last week, which was, definitely a different answer than we've gotten it's uh it hits home because like you realize that about all of our leagues i think are like the ones that we are in together uh all of them are like that so it's pretty cool cool all right so should you adjust with the market what do you got here oh man i want to pull up jeff's tweet i do think i bookmarked it i like the question i like the question yeah yeah so (laughs) uh at for whom Jay Bell tolls with a that's the number four at the beginning there. Uh, Jeff Bell definitely a good Twitter follow. Uh, <laughs> he he's on there often. I swear I feel like that guy has like a team of people working for him to create the stuff that he <laughs> creates on Twitter. It's just like ridiculous how how on point like most of it is. But uh, he gets a lot of engagement. This one was quote I'm willing to give Trevor Lawrence a pa- a free pass for Urban Meyer unquote is the type of thing people say to avoid saying anything. Trevor Lawrence's dynasty value is not that of quote, a generational QB prospect. We are giving a free pass year one unquote. So yeah, I thought this was interesting. Like I I definitely kept reading like a bunch of different comments where he's going back and forth with people on the face of it. It's kind of a, it's kind of a weird observation by him, I guess. I don't know. it, It definitely sounds like he's saying that if you believe Trevor Lawrence is a generational talent you shouldn't fade him or you shouldn't buy him at his value you should you should purchase him 
where that value should be at the generational QB value should be at regardless of his poor performance in year one due to it being because of the coach not being because of him right like you'd expect him to come back and do just fine this year if you really believe in him as a talent so why are you letting him fall to whatever round three let's say right and and not getting him in round two and reaching for him that's what it sounds like on the face of it so it just made me think like, should you adjust with the market or should you stand your ground and, and reach for guys? Like, is that a smart strategy? And it, it sounds kind of simple, but I mean, just this tweet brought it up really. So I, I mean, personally, I think you always adjust with the market. Like, why would I buy a guy when I don't need to? I can always get skill position. I can get a whole ton of other things. I can do stuff with that advantage, with that discrepancy in the market value based on my evaluation. So really easily, like for me, it's just, Yes, of course, you got to adjust with the market. I mean, there's certain times, I guess, if you believe in, I don't know, I'm trying to think about player like I would really, really reach on it. Like, I don't think I'd do it. <laughs> if I didn't Hypothetically, have to. Brady in his prime. No, I don't ever go like Homer. You know what I mean? Like you can, yeah. with quarterbacks, you can always do stuff like that. Like I'm thinking T Higgins, would I reach for him? Maybe, maybe, but I haven't had to. Like even when I had a chance to do it in a recent startup with, uh, with the Dynasty Football Factory guys, like, I think I picked Devonte Adams and, or no, I picked, I know I did. I did reach for T Higgins. No, I did. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe did. T Higgins, maybe T Higgins, but I do think that like, and if you listen to Peter Howard's episode this week, it's actually really good. He is a guy who can jump into the top 12, I think pretty easily. So I, I don't mind reaching for him, but I, I guess that's an example of one maybe, but yeah, it's interesting. What do you guys think? I mean, piggybacking on what you said, I think you have, you almost have to adjust with the market with the few exceptions. There will always be those outliers that. <laughs> Najee Harris. What? Yeah. in case anybody didn't hear billy said Najee harris (laughs) yes yeah no i 100 Najee would fit into my outlier category like that i've I've already proven that i would make some ridiculous trades to get to ensure that i have and when people at 105 are saying they're taking him and i have to go from the 10th to the first but (laughs) shit happens you believe in who you believe in but for 99.9 percent of the the players out there yes you have to adjust with the market and you have to adjust with not only their market but the coaching staff changes the supporting cast changes there's just so many factors that go into it absolutely and, and i think you know maybe i didn't see the tweet so but i think maybe kind of what you're trying to say is that if we are trying to give trevor lawrence a pass which i think i think we kind of have to we've seen him in college uh just dice it up for years and years and you know he kind of face planted in the nfl and that <clears throat> could be because well jaguars organization sucks urban meyer is not an nfl coach but what he's saying is you know he, he's getting priced out so just looking at a dynasty trade calculator and in july of 21 he was worth about i don't know uh, 48 points on there a year removed and he's like 33 so that's a pretty big fall so it's, I think maybe he was asking like, hey, if the community, if we're going to give him a pass, why are we letting him fall? I think maybe he's hinting to the community's pretty smart. Maybe they're seeing that, hey, maybe it's time to actually get out on Trevor Lawrence. I'm not so quick to do that. I'm not so quick to do that on a quarterback after one year. I think this means that he's probably a buy and he's not costing you what he was costing you a year ago. And it's probably worth, uh, to me, I think it's worth the gamble to try to go out and acquire him in a startup or something like that. I don't know if I trade for him straight up or anything, but uh, I, I don't know. That's kind of how I read it. Like maybe it, if we are as a community, as a whole, quote unquote, 
given him a pass, then why the hell is he so cheap compared to what he should be? What he's saying is we're actually fading him because he's probably going to suck, which is probably true, but we don't know. Yeah, that's definitely, a, and that is a great observation. I mean, I think that's a great point by you. I'm glad you picked up on that. That's definitely what he, that is what he means. But thinking like contextually, right? Like he's still the prospect he was. He did ha- have the situation that he had, which is why you would give him a pass. Even if I do believe he's the same guy, I'm not like, I think he's right that the community is lying to themselves. Yeah. But I guess like I have found myself in a place where I think that I'm, at, I'm in the same place with the liars, but I'm just there for the right reasons. Right. Which is, yeah, like I still think he has a really good chance to succeed because he had a really bad year one for a lot of reasons that that are fair but why would i pay up for it when i don't have to anymore and i can just have a less riskier asset if i just pay the price that he is now right like i understand what he's saying but it's like you got to adjust with the market he is pointing out i guess the hypocrisy of the community and and how the the large majority i guess play the game yeah all right so uh under the same topic umbrella, but a little bit different, I saw a tweet from Peter Howard, who was just on last week, and he was expressing his frustrations about his ability to trade away a, a Brandon Ayuk share. I think this is like a trade addicts league, I believe. And so he went around his leagues and he wasn't able to get what he thought was an appropriate compensation for his Ayuk. And I it got to a level of frustration or whatever, trying to move this player that he did end up making a trade, which I think is saying, Hey, you know, in this particular league, there's a certain market. And he ended up trading away. Iuke, I think to tacit assassin. I'm not sure, but if my memory serves me correct. I think so. And he, he got uh, Keontae Ingram uh, running back Arizona and like uh, Travis Landry and a 23 second. So that may not be the value for Ayuk in majority of leagues. I think you could probably get more most places. But in his little bubble, in his little community there, he had to adjust to the market within that league. That's what Ayuk is worth there. So I think if there's a player that you want to try to get maximum return off of, maybe that's exactly what he did in that particular league. And I think if you have the conviction that you're trying to move off a player then you have to be willing to accept what people are willing to. Sp- what was that price one more time? Sorry, Josh. I just want to hear that one more time and you can jump in. I believe it was uh, Keonta Ingram, rookie running back, Jarvis Landry, which I know that he had expressed in this comments that he wanted to get grab a Landry share, which is fine with me. And then a 23 second. Okay. Okay. So I don't think it's that bad to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that maybe there was a perception that maybe Ayuk still carried more value than that. And maybe it does in other leagues, but in this particular league, it, it obviously did not. No, I was going to just jump in and say, I'm kind of having the same issue with Miles Gaskin. <laughs> I mean, no, but yes, I know, Billy, what you're saying. And, but <laughs> so I was offering Gaskin and Noah Gray for a third round pick. I, I would do that for you, you know? Uh, Fair. Yeah, that's not a, that's not a terrible like offer. No, like, in my head, yes, I think I should be able to get a second, but I'm being realistic, and I know that Gaskin by himself is not going to do anything, really. Unfortunately, as far as trade value goes, because of how low he is on the depth chart and all the new running backs they brought in, even in the run-heavy out offense. 
And as much as I like no gray, if I need a pair of with Gaskin to get something, I'd rather get something than have to cut them when I'm two men over, unfortunately. Yeah, I think the lesson here is that you should have been trying to get rid of Gaskin exactly a year ago. And you would have got your second. Um, no, maybe, great, maybe 100%. More. But it, you know, we don't know, right? Who has yeah. a crystal ball? It's, I think, I think, Billy, I saw you, I think it was in one of the chats. Somebody asked you your opinion of um, Sony, Sony Michelle. And you said you take him. You think he has standalone value this year? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think Michelle could easily take over that yeah. backfield. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 100%, he's going to be one of the, the carry leaders in that backfield unless he gets injured. Like it's going to be him and Chase Edmonds for sure. So, yeah, I think that that's an interesting one because it does kind of, you look to Ayuk, right? And in a similar way, a guy definitely has more of draft pedigree and a whole bunch of other stuff, but a guy who, if you get out maybe a year early and get that second plus, maybe better than waiting and not being able to get kind of the Gaskin situation here. So I like that. Actually, I, I do have a trade. I mean, may as well talk about it now. Ayuk, I was able to trade Ayuk in a different dynasty league I'm in with uh adrian who's in console wars as well uh he joined he took over an orphan in one of my other leagues and i was kind of pressing him to to move iuk for a couple weeks now i sent him a trade it expired because he's been so busy and <laughs> l- luckily like i know him so like i know that he's like active and shit so I, I hit him up and i was like hey what's up man and he was like oh i just work 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 and i was like all right well i'm sending a trade through again or whatever so i sent him two seconds i think it was a 2023 and a 2024 second, and Ayuk for Stefan Diggs. And I'm, I'm trying to make a push to compete. What do you think of that? I mean, if you're, if you're loaded up and you're in win-now mode, I think it's a great deal. I think that's what it takes. You know, Ayuk, I think, is going to be a top 36 wide receiver. You know, it could be anywhere between 20 and 36. I don't know, something like that. You know, he's, he's still a viable every week starter, but he's not Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs has potential to be, you know, top 10 or better. And so I think, I think that's what it takes. I think that's what it takes to get a guy like Diggs. So, yeah, you know me, I'm always trying to load up on the studs. Like this, this league, I kind of, it was, it's been a, I won the first year and it, I've just been like rebuilding ever since. And I have, I think I have Jonathan Taylor, Javante Williams, DeAndre Swift, Deontay Johnson now, Stefan Diggs, like Jalen Waddle. I'm kind of building it pretty strong. And I was just trying to get studs after studs. I didn't want to wait on Ayuk. I didn't want to have to think about Ayuk. And now I don't have to, I just have to think, okay. Diggs in lineup next. Who are your quarterbacks? <laughs> Trevor Lawrence, Davis Mills, and Justin Fields. You're going for the trifecta right there. <laughs> hey, this is this is coming from I won the league with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston. So yeah. I, I I mean that's not bad for having those quarterbacks and yeah. like I, you know, I had Tannehill as well. I sold him. Uh, for a package with like a late second or something because uh, I had all these other young run, young quarterbacks and he's out of there in a year or two so yeah it's it's I, I've been trying to move Trevor Lawrence and something for Jalen Hurts and I think it was a, in a second would you move Trevor Lawrence in a first for Jalen Hurts no I don't think so right I, I feel like uh, Trevor Lawrence in a second is super fair for Jalen Hurts it, I just, it definitely is it definitely is I haven't I mean, been able to get it done yeah. yeah, it's tough. So not to steal your thunder, but every time I mention digs, I I have one one loan uh dig share, and I got it in console wars, and it was an offer sent to me for this is probably almost exactly a year, pretty close to a year ago, and it was uh Rondell Moore, Lavisca Chenault, 
for digs straight up. I mean, a year a year ago, uh, I, I can't. I, I, think, I can't I don't, talk. I think I would have done that a hundred percent. I don't know if we talked about that on the pod. I think I would have talked. I would have said a hundred percent take Stefan Diggs. Yeah, but yeah, I did. So. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a hell of a deal right there. It is, and I love Ronda Moore and Lavisca. So wait, you took Diggs. Yeah, I took digs. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad yes. you didn't let the rookie hype get to you. <laughs> no, oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah, I love both those players, too. I know. I know. I know people who would give their left arm for Rondell Moore a year ago, and now it's uh, it's looking looking rough. Yeah. Hey, yeah. he's still going to be a star. We'll see. Now he'll give his hair. <laughs> so last thing I wanted to talk about here was on our Patreon last week, did pretty good deep dive into some running back snap count or running back snap shares mm-hmm. uh, over the last five, six, seven years, forgot what it was, last six years. I'm not going to do as deep a dive. Like if you want to join our Patreon, like this data is available and we talk about it a bunch or whatever. But regardless, I'm definitely going to jump into it a little bit because a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Najee Harris and his absurd 85% snap share in the Steelers 2021 offense. And if that was even sustainable. So that's what drove me to kind of even pull this stuff, look it up. So just really quick, wanted to touch on on this graph that I made this, uh, this little line graph or whatever with the snap share over the last six years, just to kind of see who had a snap share above 70%. Really, that's the threshold I use because those are the absurdly high rates uh, over the past six years that you really even see. And what I found, at least what it looks like, is that it's not really that sustainable over a long period of time. Over a short period of time, it looks like running backs can't sustain something above like a, a 75% share work workload, but it's it's pretty rough. You could see all of them get injured pretty quickly or something happens like Christian McCaffrey is 91 to 93%, just absurd. But then you know what happened the past two years there. So looking at a Leonard Fournette, I mean, uh, sorry, uh, Le'Veon Bell, right? 72 and 85%. And then his year off came back to 77% was terrible fell off. Todd Gurley, I think, is the best example of a guy who can actually sustain something over a period of time, though his knees just gave out, but he carried 73, 76, 75, and 71% snap share over four straight years, 2016 to 19. Pretty impressive there. You can you can see, though, that that was kind of not above the 80% area, which it just seems like guys can't really sustain. Last year, the only guy, what was it, David Montgomery, over 71%. We'll see if that maintains, which is pretty impressive for David Montgomery right there. I I mean, I know we like Leo Herbert, but I think we're going to see that somewhere above 60% again. But the main takeaway from this chart, and when, when you look at it, you can see it. There's just not a long, there's not longevity in these high range snap shares, right? There's just not, like, there's no longevity to it. Some guys can do it for a year. You have DeMarco Murray in there. You have David Johnson. You know, you have Carlos Hyde one year, uh, Saquon Barkley in there injured, Sean McCoy one year. Like, but you can just see all these guys. Ezekiel Elliott's a guy who a couple years in a row was able to do it, but even him, the wear and tear builds up. So it's one of those things where you see, when when I see the snap share, what I'm starting to think is awesome. Let me use him for a year or two and sell him pretty much immediately after that second year. There are exceptions to the rule. Christian McCaffrey, I might stick to it because he has that crazy advantage of that 26 points per game, you know, which nobody hits, you know, he just has that, that advantage. And some guys I'm sure in the future will, will have that dual threat ability like that. Maybe you think Najee's that guy, even he is not going to get up to that 
50% share. So I don't think he really has what we're looking for in that Christian McCaffrey spot. So I think Christian McCaffrey's the only guy right now I would even bet on uh, buying right now to do that. But other than that, I'm kind of just looking at it like most guys, if they get that high, high plus percent, might be looking to find a way to move on from them a year or two after. Historically, it, are McCaffrey's numbers the highest? From from what I have, from what I have over the past six years, I'm, I mean, I, m- I imagine somebody in the sixties, fifties, or something had ridiculous. Stuff, I'm just, but, I'm uh, purely just curious. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't expect, I don't expect Najee hitting that ninety percent pile. I don't think you don't want him should. to. You don't yeah, want no, him to. I don't to want him to, and I don't expect him to. That's the thing. I think we talked about that on the Patreon. Was like, I think you know, for someone who's heavily heavily invested in Najee as far as I don't know your complete roster share but I got a pretty good idea it's 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 up there uh what's it the... seems from this data that you really you're hoping uh dynasty plan Najee... I think. yeah dynasty plan's a good one uh the nerds has a thing but uh you know you're gonna want your Najee to kind of be around that 60 60 to 70 at the most snap share just to, for longevity because you know, as Billy's pointed out here, some pretty sweet stats, dude. Todd Gurley's little arc on this chart is—it's <laughs> amazing. Because I've seen—I've seen similar things where it's just like this, you know, it's like a moon ball and then it just dives off. And it's pretty much like that for any running back who's getting that kind of workload. So if you're invested in Najee, I'd keep a close eye on that this next year and just hope that that snap count really does come down. It might in the short term, you might feel like it's hurting your team to score points. But if a dynasty asset that you want to hold on to, you might want to watch that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, this is like, I love this stuff, man. I, I'm glad I had a, a couple of minutes to put it together. There's also some other tabs on here. Like there's a lot of really cool information on here. So yeah, it's, it's fun stuff to look at. But, uh, but yeah, that's, I think that's all really I wanted to talk about. There's, there's definitely some like advantages you can take from looking at some of these guys with, with uh, high snap shares, but low ADPs and all that kind of stuff, which we did on the Patreon. Yes. But uh but not going to really get into all that here. Awesome. Love it. That was fun. I think that's all we got. I think that's all we got. Thank you everyone for giving this week's episode of Dynasty Underdog a listen. Make sure you give us a follow on Twitter at Dynasty Underdog, at Just Your IFF, at Willie Beeman DFF, and at Josh on Goldberg. Make sure you follow us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Dynasty Underdog and listen to the Patreon because I will say my target share ownership for Najee in this week's <laughs> episode. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> <laughs>